Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Standby lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. Um, I am solo hosting today. Um, if you don't remember who I am because we were gone last week, I'm Stephanie. My co-host Tyler is working, unfortunately, but um, I promised that we would have an amazing episode this week, and we do. I am currently working with three wonderful humans um, on a show in Colorado Springs, um, and they have all agreed to talk to me at the same time for mm. this podcast. We are here. Woo! Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm gonna swing it over to them and have them introduce themselves and tell me who they are and what they do. Yo, 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 I'm Satya Chavez. Satya Chavez. <laughs> One and only. Um, I'm, uh, what am I? I'm, a, I'm, today I'm an actor. Oh, sure. I mean, I'm just like a multi-instrumentalist, musician, artist, um, actor, theater maker, composer, etc. You're um, just those things. Yeah, yeah. I'm just out here just trying to like make music fit into every medium. And uh, that's that's what I do. Yeah. Yes. B-Dog. I am Brian Quijada. I am an actor, a playwright, and a composer. Uh, in that order, because that is the order in which I found these art forms in. And uh, I'm here as just the playwright, music consultant, director. I don't know what I'm doing oh here. Oh, my gosh. I'm just in the room watching, <laughs> watching, yeah, having, so having much, a lot actually. of opinions, uh, watching Satya and Matt uh, <laughs> kill it. Hello. My name is Matt Dixon. I am a director. I am mm -hmm. the director of uh, this piece. Uh, I'm a retired actor. Matthew Dixon was in War Horse on Broadway, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but I direct theater, plays, musicals, opera sometimes in this past year. Zoom uh, plays? This past year, a lot of Zoom plays. Yeah digital content i love that um well i guess we'll, we'll start off then i guess and we'll talk a little bit about this piece in particular since that's why we're all here mm. uh brian since it's your baby why uh -huh. don't you kick us off tell us all about it where did we sit on the bus um the namesake comes from a poem that i wrote about a true story of asking my third grade teacher during a civil rights lesson on rosa parks martin luther the king where Latinos sat on the bus, and she did not give me a good answer. She's great. She's lovely. We've reconnected over the past few years. She's really lovely. Um, but at the time, you know, she was young. She didn't know how to respond to an eight-year-old uh, with, I'm sure, information she didn't know. Um, so that kind of uh, flipped my world upside down, and um, I, I, I kind of what it did was that little moment made me go home and ask my parents larger questions like, where do we come from? Like, where were we actually? Like, what's our history? And that leading to, you know, stories of immigration and stories of how we fit, how a, you know, a brown kid fits in a black and white world, um, the spectrum that is America. And so that was the, that was the impetus to, to, to write the play. I didn't actually start putting pen to paper to 
fully write a play until like 2014. I'd been acting professionally for a little bit, but I was just like waiting on a job that would be perfect. And that never came. <laughs> and so I was just like, okay, I'll just write it myself, I guess. I don't know what I'm making here. And so it was, it started off as like a compilation of rap songs and, and spoken word poems. And then it became this thing that I toured for five years until now this is like the next iteration with the great Satya Chavez. And how did this happen? How did we get to making it about Satya? Well, not about Satya, but... <laughs> but basically, but, yes. Uh, and, and Matt. Oh, is that a Satya? I think that's a Matt question. How did we get... Because I feel like I'm, I was the last person on the train. Matt and Brian had a whole plan. Well, Brian knew you. You had collaborated on a show that had looping uh, For sure. called the undesirables. Shameless That's plug. right. Just undesirables, undesirables, not the undesirables. Yeah, undesirables. Uh, wow. I would, I would like to take the time to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, undesirables. Uh, and when uh, actors theater of Louisville uh, decided they wanted to produce the show, uh, I think Brian, you were curious if it, how it, the, the, well, that was a whole experiment. Yes, how the show would work with another with another actor, and he was always uh, singing Satya's praises, who whom I did not know, um, and I was excited to see Satya's work. I was hesitant, as all directors are, before they've seen, uh, to ensure that you know. Yeah, you uh, want to see an audition first. You want to see an audition, and. Uh, and then I saw the audition. And I was like, "Oh yeah, no, it's definitely Satya yeah, Chavez." Totally, it's definitely there's she no. She killed it. Yeah, she Brian wasn't too sure though. Well, you know, it's a, like we've talked about this, and I was just like, you know, when you look at something that you've done for so long, for years and years and years, and then somebody else does it, and you're just like, "Oh, they didn't say that word the way that I said it." It's just like it's it hits the ear funny. So you're just like, "Whoa, I don't even," you know, I I I but. Satya is one of the most talented people I've ever met, right? But, like, just because you're used to saying something or in a certain intonation and the way that it rings in your head, um, you're, it just throws you off. And so I was super thrown off. And then Matt's just like, she's amazing. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> just so everyone knows, just so it's clear, um, Brian has written a lot of rhyming in his show. And so I read for the first time this script and leaned into the rhyme scheme. It felt like an obvious choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. To which... Brian panicked. Yeah. yeah. I know. Which seems dumb. It's just like, here's a hip-hop show. Don't do it like a hip-hop song. No, it, it was also your first experience. Wasn't it your first experience seeing somebody else? It was the first time I'd ever seen anybody else do it. Yeah. Wait, for real? Yeah. Something Whoa. inherently autobiographical. Totally. That so you've done now for the past yeah. five years is totally. a disorienting experience. So for sure. Thought, I thought there were other guys doing it. No, we were going to. I mean, we were going to do like a huge. Well, Matt wanted to do like a huge search. And I was just like, okay, cool. But you should see Satya first. Like before we send out anything, you should see Satya first. So you were really That's the only so person awesome. that auditioned for Actors Theater of Louisville. That's so dope. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. No, it totally did. Absolutely. It's great. Um, how has it been, especially, you know, now, Brian, you have to kind of share this with two other people. Um, and one of the things we try to explain to our listeners is like 
how our jobs work. Mm -hmm. So what has it been like, the working with the three of you together? How do you guys operate, kind of go through, break down like what a rehearsal day is or, or you know, the development of this piece? Uh, uh, Matt and I have, Matt and I, when I moved, I moved to New York City in 2012, and Matt directed the very first short play that I was in, um, and the second short play that I was in, ever. Um, and uh, Matt has this incredible ability to make uh, something that doesn't make any sense make sense. Because <laughs> the plays that we were in, like, made, you know, they were, I guess they were, I, if they're listening, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you're... You, you know, Matt saved your play. <laughs> um, and um, and uh, for the for the listeners, Matt is vigorously shaking his head. <laughs> um, and so uh, that I was incredibly impressed by that. And so when I was looking for a first time director for Where Do We Sit on the Bus? For its very first workshop in New York with a t comp uh, something called the Solanova Festival with a company called Terranova Collective, which no longer exists, unfortunately. Uh, Matt was the clear choice to work with me on it. And then so we kind of developed a, a shorthand. Right. And we've become now very good friends over the over the years. So I think, you know, the way that we're running this kind of new process is super funky. I mean, maybe you can talk about it because. We were supposed to do this live, and then because of the pandemic, we had to do that Actors Theater of Louisville production virtually, virtually um, which is uh, – do you, do you want to talk about that process? Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as new play development goes, you know, just a button Brian's point, uh, as a writer, I think you were still discovering your voice as – both writer and composer uh, and looping artist. Um, and so as far as new play development goes, it's just a lot of kind of figuring out what the piece wants to be. Uh, and a lot of people had a, a lot of hands in that process. Um, wonderful people. And so this, the pandemic kind of scrambled, I think the way that we wear hats, uh, in my opinion, just in the, in that, you know, if we had done this play live at Actors Theatre of Louisville, then Brian as composer-writer and uh, Matt as director and Satya Chavez as actor-performer. Uh, but that wasn't the case. We, were, we, we went digital. So it became uh, a unique process in that Satya and I spent t 10 hours a day on Zoom. For four months. For four months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, figuring out how to make this play with Brian and uh, Satya took on every role of uh, lighting, 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 yeah. setup, sound setup. Yeah. She, w she was the entire production. We had to film it remotely. So it was me in a room by myself doing anything Matt told me to do over a zoom screen. But like anything Matt told me to do, I had to physically do it. So that's like set up lights or set up camera shots or set up the stage and the setting. And we had a bajillion different settings that sure. we filmed different. I don't know. And no stage manager, knows. so Steph. And no stage manager. <laughs> yeah. We had no, no stage, stage manager. manager. So Steph is truly like this queen that came out of heaven for us. And, 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 and that's and that's. 
you know, that's a critical point in terms of discussing what we do. Like, we, the, the fact that we did not have a stage manager was a detriment to not 1, only the work, but our, I would even go so far as to say mental and emotional well-being. Oh, my God. What, um, we, there was no such thing as mental and emotional well-being. No. Well, there's no structure, right? There, there was, was no, no structure. So we were fully in each other's lives in our respective living rooms yeah, in two different states. I think both of our partners at the time just like accepted the fact that Matt and I were in a relationship. Yeah, 100%. 100 and 150%. Yeah. And so it became about, you know, cultivating trust and communication. But I, I think in many ways that process set us up really well for this yeah. experience just because well, when Satya, you spend 10 hours a day for four months yeah, you're like yeah, you know yeah, the material yeah. and 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 Satya says this a lot in the room which is we kind of all wear m- multiple hats I think the lines bleed a little bit in the room as far as you know input trust uh, if Brian has opinion on staging if Satya has opinion on design um, if I have thoughts about you know the the way the music's being built uh, I don't know that that conversation would be as seamless if there wasn't already a foundation yeah. of trust yeah, if we hadn't had already like broken all of our boundaries yes, correct exactly. you know? we're all just kind of all <laughs> dipping our toes in the or d- dipping our fingers in the bowl as you know for right. lack of a better word and so this process now is very great because it's kind of an extension of that it's an extension of that but it has structure right like any like live play like it's like cool we're showing up here we have five hours we'll take a 20 minute break yeah, or whatever right uh, straight six or whatever, and um, it's what the dream was always to was to come into work for a regular <laughs> hour day um, and create the thing that we wanted to do. But I, I, but to be honest, I think you know it's all to say that I that, that I think the the work that happened during the pandemic that was hard and um, out of felt like out of time and space (laughs) Um, uh, was incredibly necessary for us to be prepared to come in and do like two weeks boom put it up yeah because we've essentially created like a remount it's not it's not just redoing Brian's show we are like reimagining what Brian's show was it's like you know those like uh, Marvel on ice it's like Marvel (laughs) like those those Marvel movies that they're just like cool now we're doing it on ice (laughs) It's like that, making the movie into the stage production. It's true. It's true. I'm so excited for the Where Do We Sit on the Bus roller coaster. Ride. <laughs> I'm excited for Where Do We Sit on the Bus on Ice. <laughs> You have to skate from looper to looper. <laughs> um, but actually, that's one of the really awesome things about this show is that it's it's essentially a musical, even though it's a one-person piece. Um, but <laughs> totally, <laughs> um, uh, it's it's a looping musical. And um, Satya, do you want to talk about what that actually means and is? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know if anyone is familiar with with looping, but basically the concept is you have a, a piece of machinery that will record a short snippet of music that repeats itself over and over again so you compile enough short little pieces and clips and then before you know it you have a full fleshed out orchestration and uh and our instruments allow us to like play with pulling instrument instrumentation out and and put it back in throughout a whole number so before you know it we've completed like a whole 
fleshed out movement of music movement of music a song a, a, a composition and um and so basically what we've done here is we've decided to tell a story with looping machines so it is the plural. story of Looping machines, plural. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's actually been really cool to get to like mash my looping knowledge and Brian's looping knowledge together. And, and what would have been me and one looping machine or Brian and one or two looping machines has become like three or four or five eventually. Right. We've got, we're like trying to add looping pedals at some point And like just like how many how many buttons can we hide all over the stage to just press at any given moment? Um but yeah, that's that's how we've done it. I think was that clear? Totally, yeah. I mean, looping is not a it? not a new art form, right? Yeah. It's why it's, do you why were you drawn to looping in the first place? It was born out of uh, loop, looping was born Les Paul. I don't know if anybody out there is familiar with Les Paul, but he's this amazing guitarist. I own his Les Paul ukulele. I own a Les Paul guitar, just in tribute to the to the looper. Um, Les Paul created the Les Paul sizer in the 80s um, or in the 70s or in the 60s. Jesus. I'm a bad looping historian. <laughs> um, but basically, in 1805, he went on. No, 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 it was black and white. It, it was black and white uh, TV, so it had to have been the 50s or the 60s. Um, and he went on TV and he debuted the Les Paul sizer, um, which, if you look at the YouTube clip, it didn't look like he was making it live. Um, but regardless, and when I first learned that, he, like, when I first kind of saw that he wasn't doing it live, he basically recorded, like, rhythm guitar. He was like, bow, bow, ba -da -ba -bow, bow, ba -da -ba, right, and recorded that, and then he started noodling on top of it. The idea being that a guitar, if a band had a bass, uh, drum set, and a guitarist, you could make the band sound bigger by recording over and not have to get two guitarists, somebody to play rhythm and somebody to then do lead guitar. Um, but regardless of whether it was real or not, what was amazing about it is that companies like Boss Roland, right, were saw that and were like, that's actually possible. And so they started working to create technology to be able to do, to make, a, like, to be able to sell looping machines to, up to the world, right? And so that was amazing. If regardless of whether it was real or not, it, it gave these companies, these music te technology companies, the idea to actually start making loop machines, which was amazing. So I love the fact that looping was born out of this idea that you you can do it alone, mm -hmm. right? That you don't need a bunch of people. It's also like, let's not go in like, too far into it, but like the immigrant experience, right? Like, yes, exactly. oh my God, we need to make it on our own. Like well, nobody's going to help like us. also like your experience, Brian, of like, oh wow, the this industry, the theater industry, all of these industries do not have space for me in them. I need to make space for myself totally. and I got to do this shit exactly. on my own. Exactly. So it was just like, well, I don't know right now that I can pay a bunch of people to help me make this. Also, I don't even know that anybody's going to care enough to what, like the idea was going to be like, I'm going to go and do this in the basement. Or like open a garage, like go yeah. in a garage, open the door, and be like, whoever passes by is gonna watch it, um, and and I'll just do it on my own because I don't, I I can't pay anybody else to do it, yeah. and like I can do this alone. I can create huge pieces of orchestration just on my own, and so that's kind of how it was born out of like looping, being like I'll just I'll do it on my own because I have to at this point. Was that your was this piece kind of your first stab at com composition? 
Like music uh, yeah, and not even me like knowing. It's not like I was just like cool. I'm gonna put my composer hat. I was just like no. I'm a big fan of music, right? Yeah. And it's just like okay, cool. I'll just do things in kind of the style that all these great hip hop songs or like Motown hits mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are made. Is I'll just kind of you know. Usually those songs all start with like a like a piano or something, and then yeah. the drums pop in, and then like little twinkles with like, you know what I mean? Like, um, and I was just like, I'll just do that. I'll just kind of build it in the way that they do. Stop, baby, 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 baby. Like, I was just like, okay, cool. I'll just do it like that. So it's it's yes, I didn't know that I was that at the time I was like making my transition from an actor to a playwright to a composer right I didn't know I was just no, like totally. I'm just doing some things that I like doing that I've always just found as hobbies I hear that um and then I found myself in a position where I was way ahead of myself I'm like oh my god you know where am I what am I doing now um but I didn't you know I, and I think a lot of it is because I didn't go to music school like you know a lot of us didn't necessarily yeah like director school or like music composing school or looping school school. right yeah yeah exactly we all went to acting school oh you too met i did i went to acting school oh jeez wow yeah so it's just like you you feel like sometimes in these positions you don't have like the permission to do something but you don't need permission fuck permission yeah exactly absolutely um (laughs) no i yeah right Um, but that's actually really uh, interesting, and I, I, it's one of the other things we like to kind of talk to our guests about. Is like, how did this track happen for you? Like, what was it in your childhood? Did you just walk into uh, the wrong class one day? Like, what got you to where you are, and why you do this? Me? No, nah, I've spoken a lot. I just blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something I do now, apparently. I can't help You just it. have so much information stored. You're just like, I can't take any more. <laughs> the number of times in rehearsal, Matt is giving me a note, and I catch the first like 30 seconds of it, but then the important last 30 seconds, I black out. For the listeners, my notes do not average one minute. <laughs> you're right, you're right. They're a solid 15 at the least. The question was, what was your track? How did you get here? How the hell did I get here? Right here, right now. What is my place? Um, those are lines from the show. It's fine. I'm still trying to memorize. <laughs> um, how did I get here? I was a young wee thing in San Diego, California. I loved to sing. I wanted to be a pop star. So my dad put me in voice lessons and that was my, that was my music training. Mm. Um, Selena Quintanilla. I saw, honestly, honestly, this is the lesbian in me. I saw J-Lo do it. Of course. (laughs) I saw J-Lo. I love, look, guilt sidebar, sharp left. I love J-Lo movies. I love J-Lo movies too. Look, I'm going to, I can, I can acknowledge that it's not like she's an incredible actress, but for some reason. J-Lo, if you're listening though, you're amazing. J-Lo, I mean, obviously. I love you. I watched three fourths of Made in Manhattan on TBS last week. Uh, Made in Manhattan. um, Out of sight. Out of sight. Get out of here. Oh my God. Enough. I mean, that was like a bit of a shift, a dark shift, but I was here for it. Even Monster-in-Law. Like I love all of her rom-coms. I know. With Jane Fonda. That is a deep Cut. I mean, I'm here. I'm a true fan. But anyways, yeah, Selena, Selena, the movie came out. I think it came out the year I was born. What? 1992. Wow. 
Um, and I, I just want that. I was in, it was infectious. I wanted to do it. So my dad put me in voice lessons and all I wanted to do was sing all the time. And then my dad convinced me cause he was like, you need to diversify and you need to be well-rounded Satya. Um, so he told me I needed to do a musical and I was like, no fucking way. But I was, you know, 12. I wouldn't say that to my dad. So no way, dad. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, no flipping way, no flipping way, dad. Theater's for nerds. Uh-huh. And I did a musical and it was like, what the leader of, it was a jukebox musical, the leader of the pack. And before I knew it, I was freaking hooked one show. And I was like, dad, I never want to do anything else. All I want to do is musicals. And I proceeded to do just that. And then studied theater in college but have continued to wear all the hats all the time like I started an acapella group in college because performing arts kids couldn't get into the acapella scene because Mm -hmm. rehearsals conflicted and whatnot so I just started my own and like similar to Brian I just have been living my life carving out my own spaces because they don't exist for me so hopefully Mm -hmm. I will carve out a big enough space that other people can fit into into the future totally um but I think similarly to Brian, I, I just I just was always creating music, even in high school and junior high. Like I didn't think of it as like I'm a composer. I was just doing what I wanted to do, which totally. was build a lot of harmonies because single melodies were boring to me. Yeah, yeah. So basically, all I'm trying to do is shake up theater and make it less boring. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew. Uh, I played Father Wolf in. My middle school drama club. My teacher is now in jail for child pornography. Oh my what? god! But what? from that point on, I was hooked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I came up as an actor, uh, and I think pretty early on, I knew that I didn't have the words for it, but I think I knew that I wanted to direct. I didn't really know how or when or what. Um, and so I pursued the acting track kind of after school just because I felt like uh, no one would take me seriously. Matt, you um, have one job, and it's to put that microphone to your mouth. I'm so sorry. Thank I'm you. so sorry. Uh, it comes less naturally to me. <laughs> I said I'm retired. Uh-huh. You're tired. By the way, everybody, retired, uh, if retired. we didn't hear to hear, uh, Matt Dixon was in the Tony Award winning War Horse <laughs> <laughs> on Broadway. You got to tell that story. Yeah. Um, And so I came up as an actor and I think because people, you know, uh, when you receive any sort of validation, uh, you pursue it because I didn't, I was, it felt great. Um, And then I think Joe Papp has a really great quote that's at the, who started the public, talked about coming up as a director that if you, if you say you're a director long enough, eventually somebody will ask you to direct something. Um, And so Brian and I both are members of a company called uh, Ensemble Studio Theater in New York, and uh, shout out on EST. Shout, shout out, out shout out EST. Uh, up had the New York premiere of Where Do We Sit on the Bus? It's true, New York premiere. Um, and they provided a space uh, to allow. Uh, it's a little bit of a laboratory for for young artists coming up uh, to to not only cultivate relationships with other artists, but to you know, write, direct, and act. Um, yeah, and I think I just got, I, I, I would rather sit in the dark and watch uh, the piece being made and collaborate with folks that are smarter than me. Uh, acting's hard, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> acting's hard. It's anxiety-making. It it's, is. Um, so I am in awe of 
actors that can get out of their own way because uh, I never I, I had a hard time with that so yeah. but how, how how did you deal with being on Broadway in War Horse? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was my second Broadway show, actually. So. Oh, snap, just like that. Uh, I, uh, that sounded more sincere than I meant for You're it. You're like, too. the first one was The Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I was out of school. I had, no, I had no perspective on what this industry was. And so I walked into a show at this show, Coast of Utopia, at Lincoln Center, and, uh, and I thought, oh, this is this is how, this is how this industry is great. I was like, it's you just do plays, and then that contract ended, and I was sad, and I bought a bong. And, <laughs> and you, uh, I bought a bong. <laughs> I bought a bong, and and uh, I played a lot of Grand Theft Auto, and I felt bad for myself. And then uh, you know, you pick up and figure out the next thing. Um, but those were awesome. I learned from those experiences were, in many ways, I think, what allowed me to hone my communication skills as a director uh, because I had the opportunity to work with really kick-ass directors who were really good at uh, navigating a room and steering egos mm. uh, yeah. and, you know, building bridges. And Arguably I think something you only learn from being an actor. I think yeah. so. Like learning, think... How, knowing how to communicate with actors is like such a useful skill. I, totally I agree I think I I agree with that um, so I think in many ways that was uh, super I just was able to be a sponge you know and so that was really nice you know what's really super interesting is that is that like I feel like now I'm beginning to work do a lot of <clears throat> new play development uh, uh, kind of sitting in watching dramaturgy or directing new play work which is very new for me, and I, it's not what I say what I am because I'm. It's brand new, and I don't feel like that's actually my place. Um, but you get thrown into some of these things sometimes, and I think you know what's. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I just became recently artistic director of the Wildwind Performance Lab in Texas, and I have had to direct new new play work, uh, readings, right? And um, what's interesting is that, like, as a writer, I am not precious. I'm really not precious. And it's because I think, like, I'm, I'll am i be like, does that not work for you? Okay, cool. I'll change it. Let's go. I have no problem, like, like ripping my piece apart to rebuild it based on the collaboration that I'm in. Um, and I think it's because I spent so many years acting, right? Like, that it was just like, any time I was just like, this is not working. And if the playwright didn't change it, I'm like, oh. Then I'm gonna oh God. But if the playwright did and was just like, I'm down, let's make this happen. I'm like, great, we're making something together and it's working and it's all and like totally. that's a big fear for a writer, I think, to be like, oh, I don't know if this will work, right? But like it like I think the 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 getting rid of the fear is coming from the fact that that was something that I needed as an actor, right? So like I understand that need as as the playwright as a playwright. To be like, oh no, no. But I would argue it. that you, I would argue that your process as a writer has evolved over time, and that yes, you are a game and open collaborator, but you also know when to fight for that which you inherently believe in, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Steph, Steph is Steph is just like, yeah, Brian's pretty opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> 
but that's a but 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 as a but but as a director that's key like if a writer is just you know oh yeah if i didn't if i was just like okay i'll change it like yeah. okay i'll change it but there's that's some that's not confident yeah no either, no it's not right? I, I i do know I, there are certain i have my like my yeah. points where i'm like no i very passionately yeah. believe that this needs to be this and this is why and, yeah, then and this that is why. allows i think sometimes the first instinct as a director when or as an actor for that matter when something's not working is to change it right and i think there is something very valuable in sitting with whatever that thing is mm -hmm. long enough to understand where that impetus comes from and that maybe you know you're actually looking in the wrong direction totally and i think a lot of that comes with experience right of just doing it for a long time yeah. but sure. also like i'm also like this the, our room is filled with like okay Scorpions. let's try it like let's try it and let's actually see which one work where it works. Steph is trapped in a room full of Scorpios. <laughs> Steph is keeping the wheels on the bus. Truly, it's true. Truly. It's true. <laughs> Filled with a bunch of Scorpios <laughs> any minute. Each spiral out. Um <laughs> no, Have you no. talked about state I assume on this podcast you've talked about what you do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the very first first two episodes were my, myself and Tyler uh, kind of explaining my job and and we've had other stage managers and whatnot on the show. So mm -hmm. um is there any um role or piece that you would like to direct, perform right in the future that has like kind of always been in the back of your brain? Not necessarily all together, but each individual. Mm -hmm. The truth about this is that I was just thinking about this the other day in an, in an Uber ride. Lyft, I don't support Uber. Me neither. Me neither. Um, but I feel like that has become the Yeah, you the just term, that's the verb. The term, that's the verb. Yeah, you just yeah, say yeah, verb, yeah. but you, um, Uber's not on my phone. But some guy, I was, at, uh, I was in California doing American Mariachi, which is another um, play with music. And this guy was asking, just asking me where he was taking me. And it was to work. And then we get to the theater. And he's like, oh, you work here. Um, are you an actor? And I was like, yeah. Oh, wow. What's that like? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm trying to actually get out of the car now. We're here, but sure, we can have this chat. Um, like, Will you turn the meter off? <laughs> <laughs> but but he was, he was, I think he, he had a child who was also interested in it, right? Oh, so cool. I was like, okay, yeah, let's talk about this. And he asked me, he was like, are you, do you feel like you've made it? And I had a real moment where I was like, oh, shit, I've made it. I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. Where did we sit on the bus? Biki Hada and where did we sit on the bus is a dream roll. Mm. And I'm low key trying to like keep this bus rolling because <laughs> I, I this is exactly what I want to do. And like, I don't think that there are, like Brian was saying, there, there aren't spaces for people like us in this capacity, in this industry. And Brian carved out a space just for me. Mm. And I, I like I there aren't other roles that excite me the way that this one does. Mm. Um so I guess I have to write a another Which looping musical. Which accompanies your feelings about music, right? Which specifically also, this play yes. and your feelings Satya you were just saying to me the other yeah. day about how bringing music specifically the way that you're introducing music into, you know, these, into theater in general, yeah. into all my art in general, into Brian's piece even yeah, absolutely. Um, this absolutely fits in with that, and I don't think I realized because you're in when you're in it, you're in it, and you're grinding, you're grinding, and and COVID happened, and so mm -hmm. after COVID, you're just trying to accept all the jobs that you can, and so it was just the other day that I realized, wow, not just 
booked and blessed, but like actually very fulfilled. Totally. Do you think the pandemic, were you already moving in that direction as far as yes. your interest yet? Transcending I had already, just performance. I had already, there's a shift that happens for, I, I'd like to thank all artists, but definitely there was a shift that happened for me at one point where I stopped doing I stopped working to work, right? Sure. As an actor, as a young actor joining this industry, you just want to beef up your resume. So I'll do, yeah, I'll do Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, I'll do a Christmas Carol. Yeah, I'll do whatever. It's a paycheck. It's a credit, and it's a good, it's a good step forward. But at a certain point, I was realizing that I was just continuing to be another pog, pog pawn. P- po- well, let's go with pog. Yeah. Let's go with pog, pog. Yeah. <laughs> I had the image, right? You like you lifted and you're just doing the things that everyone else is telling you to do. And um, and so I, I had a shift for myself where I just and maybe it's just manifestation and lots of hard work. But I realized that I I wanted to be telling very specific stories mm. and stories that opened up spaces for people whose stories have not been told very often. And so I, I'd say that was somewhere in around 2016, that fateful year. Totally. And um. And that, and that shifted. And then I just started, I started making my life. I surrounded my life with new works, pl- new play yep. development, that kind of stuff. That's how I met Brian undesirables. And well, I met him before that, but, but that's how we that's connected. Where we, yeah. That's where we hooked up. And, um, and it was a very poor few years to make that shift because that is not a very lucrative this, the the social justice work is not lucrative. Right. But I think we're finally starting to f- get into a shift where the rest of the world has woken up and they're excited and interested in in creating spaces, carving out spaces, and, and lifting up diverse voices. Um, Hopefully that goes beyond just checking their boxes. Exactly. Right. It, well, it has to. Um, so we're yeah, exactly where we need to be right totally. now. Totally. That's a really interesting question of like, what's the... Cause there, of course, there are the the plays the the plays that like you grow up being like oh I want to be like right I remember seeing uh, Romeo and Juliet the movie the uh, Baz Luhrmann one and seeing John Leguizamo do Tybalt and then my brother did Tybalt in college and I went to go see it and I'm just and he's just like totally just doing a rip off of John Leguizamo's <laughs> of John Leguizamo's Tybalt and I'm just like yeah fuck yeah like I want to be Tybalt right like I want to play Tybalt like it's a fucking villain like Shadow of the Cat what is, what is it cat the cat the, what is what is he King called? Of cats. King of Cats, yeah. And I was just like, hell yeah. And or like, you know, I went to go. He t- also took me to go. My first musical that I ever saw was Cabaret, and I was just like, oh, I want to do Cabaret. Like, I want to play the MC. That'd be amazing. I mean, I still kind of do want to play the MC and like some like I want like rewrite Cabaret somehow. <laughs> oh, um, it's not gonna happen. I'm not gonna get the rights to it. But uh, <laughs> uh, but but um, that's that's totally right on. That I think that like, of course, there's the things that you want to do, but I feel like. There's a. I have an incredible passion for actor musicianship, um, looping and like new, just like new work. Like, what's the new? Like, how are how are, how are we bring visibility to the invisible and like how are we hearing the unheard and um, and you can only really do that by listening to the now by writing work that is current, right? And uh, I got very lucky that I went to the University of Iowa and. Uh-huh. Go, go, Hawks, go, go. Uh, and, uh, and I met Idris Goodwin, who, yeah, executive director of the Colorado Springs Performing Arts Center, Fine Arts Center. And uh, uh, I went to school with amazing playwrights, and they had something called the New Play 
uh, festival, and I got to work on new plays. And then my first three summers out of college were at the Eugene O'Neill Center at the National Playwrights Conference mm-hmm. with plays that I had worked on in college with these dope playwrights that I didn't know at the time uh, were going to blow up. Uh, playwrights like Jen Silverman, Basil Kremendahl, like amazing, amazing American contemporary playwrights. And um, that that track of being like, oh, I'm a new play actor. I'm not really going on the road to do Oklahoma or like Pippin, you know, like, and, and nor do I have the voice really to do it. Like, it's not like you're just like, let's grab that young baritone bass <laughs> and let's put them in a part, right? Um, uh, so, so it, it, it's like I think the 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 new play, like I've always been a new kind of play world professionally, and new musicals is also really exciting, mm-hmm. and so like. Though I was, I do want to play the MC in cabaret. I'm more excited about being in, like, being in new stuff that we get to make specifically for us, and then also that that kid in like Wyoming or like Montana or like you know Utah or like middle of Chicago, um, who's just like, oh, I couldn't do all the other stuff, but I can do this. And that's really exciting. Yeah. Matt, do you want to direct War Horse? Is that your dream? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I think it's it's a little more nebulous at, from, <coughs> I think, from my director perspective, just because, uh, you know, I'm not a playwright. I don't, uh, I think that, I don't, my, my job does not exist without another person. Mm-hmm. Um, or that's how I've chosen to view um, my responsibility as a director. What would directing without anyone else look like? Um, I guess that's it would, like it would look like the inside of my brain, okay. which is <laughs> eternally tormented. <laughs> um, I, so I think, uh, you know, without collaborators, uh, there's, that's the engine so i think the the tricky thing as a director is just how do you how do you carve a path um when there's no clear path to walk and i think that's just through you kind of have to uh similar not not dissimilar to what satya said in that i also would say yes to just about everything because you want the opportunity to work and you know, I think at a certain point, the hope is, is that those collaborations are rich and fruitful and, you know, the, the thing that you bring uh, to your work is ultimately the thing that inspires the next project and the hope that work begets work. And I first started working on this project with Brian in 2013 uh, and, then, and then went away from it for five years uh, and I would have had no idea at the time that this project would circle back around. You ju- you can never know. And so all you can really do as a director is bring everything you have, uh, do your best work, and then trust the fact that uh, that'll circle back around if, uh, if it's meant to be. And obviously, you know, there is a certain degree of um, go-get-it-ness required, right? Uh, no work just comes and lands in your lap. But so, yeah, it's it's kind of always evolving for me of what, like I have no idea what the next uh, 
chapter, I guess, will look like. I know there's things and people that I'm interested in, but again, it's the currency is the people. It's all about um, who I like, who's making exciting work, who has real, who who's forwarding the conversation, who is the shifting ground that Satya is speaking to that is hopefully, you know, will continue to crack. Um, who is finding that pulse, and how is that manifesting in their art, and how can I just help assist them to get it in front of a crowd? You know. Yeah. Um, my favorite question to ask all of our guests is, is there something about this job that has happened to you? It could be really good or it could be kind of a nightmare story that like, I like to call the party story where you would tell someone this and especially if they aren't in the business at all, have like are blown away by the fact that this could happen to you. Do you, or like, can you think of something that's just this one show I did? Four days that we've been no. here, <laughs> like in general, in all our careers. Oh, in oh, in all careers. Oh, yo, yes. I'm about to throw some shade. You can keep names out if you, if that's no, I'm gonna throw these people okay. under the bus. Boulder Dinner Theater. <laughs> <laughs> the Boulder Dinner Theater. I'm in Colorado right now, so. Oh, test, testy waters. Um, yes, yo, I did a production of Footloose once. Yes, this is this is pre-living my dream. <laughs> and um, let like let's just call this as non-union as non-union can get. Where you as an actor and like Footloose is a dance show, so you be singing and dancing your ass off. But before the show even begins, you are serving tables waiting tables, giving people, sitting at their tables their their meals, taking their orders, their drinks, whatever. Then you go and you perform the first act. Then during intermission, you hand out all the desserts. And then you and then you take the everyone's you tabs and whatnot and you start collecting the tabs and then and then you perform the second act of the show and then after the show you close everyone out and it's just like the most work anyone has done for a waiter's payment. Right, like we were getting paid maybe like two hundred dollars a week for the show, but like you got your tips. Okay, so one time during Footloose, we're all doing the show, and one of the actors is acting super weird. He's slurring all of his words, and like it's just it's weird. And if you're in the women's dressing room, you don't know what's going on in the men's dressing room. Come to find out, this guy was hammered, drunk, what? high on cocaine. <gasps> And and like something else, I want I want to say like Molly, maybe it was shrooms. I don't know something Colorado, right? Something Colorado, some Colorado. He was on some I Colorado. I didn't know that Molly shit. and her shrooms was specific to Colorado. I just feel like you you get a lot of stoner hippies that would probably do shrooms yeah, yeah, out yeah, here. Right, and right. I feel like the first time I ever tried Molly or acid or anything like that was definitely in Colorado. Uh, 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 uh. Um, so this guy also in his choreography from a six no no no, 10 foot high platform does does a backflip into a group of men with their arms out to catch him and land him in the middle of a dance number i i don't know how to express like the fear in everyone except for this guy who just free willy just jumped off the platform and these guys just had to catch him and hobble him back up to his feet I have never, I have never witnessed 
He was living his best life. I he mean, was. He's just like, mean, he tells a different side of the story. He's just like, this is the best day of my life. He's like, I flew. I flew that day. <laughs> I saw it. It was the pinnacle. It was the pinnacle That's of right. my acting career. I made it to the moon. <laughs> he played He played my love interest in the show. So like having to like sing songs in his face and like, oh gosh, it was chaos. It was chaos and fear. I will never forget it. And what I really won't forget is that this guy did not get fired. Wow. We continued like three more runs, three more months of this show in this run with him. Wow. Barely a slap on the wrist. Don't do that again. Okay. Let's hope he learned his lesson. (laughs) All right, boys, stop that. (laughs) I don't know that I can. I don't have a nuts. Like, I don't have like, I don't have like a, 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 I mean, aside from like, I think, you know, like you find yourself in productions where you're like, or like projects where you're like working with people that you've seen in like right movies yeah, or like where you're just like stories. like where you're just like oh my god I'm working with this person who like I grew up watching or like blah 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 uh, aside from that which is surreal um uh I'm not going to drop any names I'm not going to drop any names um but um I think like a more like kind of I can't believe this is my life or kind of I can't believe that this is like this is more of it's related to this show, which is this show has allowed Footloose. Me <laughs> just like Footloose, <laughs> performing, singing that song all across the country. <laughs> um, no, like you know, uh, um, uh, getting to do "Where Do We Sit on the Bus" all over the country is this super trippy thing because it's again a, a, a play that. I didn't even know it was a play when I was writing it. I was just like, I don't even know what the hell this is. But the play that um didn't you I didn't think would go anywhere. Um and then going like premiering it in Chicago in front of my folks sitting in the front row or going to New York doing it off Broadway and then going to Boise, uh, Pittsburgh, New Mexico, like hitting up all these these cities. Talking about my parents and their immigration journey, right? Um, in in the sp- like blue states, red states, right? Like, it isn't a political play, but it it is inherently political. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know, my parents, uh, you know, even though Satya and I's par- like our dads were uh, uh, kind of a, a, on different spectrums of like supportive or not non-supportive, sure. but they're still immigrant parents. Um, that like just want the best for their first generation child, yes. right? Um, that like they would call and be like, "Where are you?" And I'm and like and I'm like I'm doing bus, and um, and I'm in Oakland or like whatever, right? And they're like, "Awesome!" And they're like they're hearing the story of you know they're hearing the story of Eduardo Quijada, right? Like <laughs> they're I'm like, yeah, they are, yeah. And so like that's awesome. It's just like. That that this weird thing that we do has and and I can't wait for Satya to like continue doing it. You know, fingers crossed, pandemic and everything, right? That that she continues to do it all across the country. Um, that like these stories get told, and that like stories that could so easily just be forgotten um, get to be heard by like strangers all across the country by by people that like it might have changed the way that they think you know it might affect them in a way that like leaves them thinking about it forever 
Um, and that's awesome. And I know that's like a separate, like, nobody got wasted in this story. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like a beautiful kind of, it, it, it's like, it's, I have to pinch myself every kind of now and again that, like, that, that stories like this can, can resonate nationwide. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you know, thinking about, I, I was, as a director, you're sort of always, um, in whatever, you know, your artistic discipline, but you kind of look at level up moments. And prior to the pandemic, it was the projects that I w- was looking ahead to, you know, it felt like a, a level up year. And then the inevitable happened. Um, and it's very encouraging that when Satya and I were in some of our dark, our, our darkest moments and trying to make, you know, this project that we weren't sure anybody would watch. Uh, uh, it's exciting that we're here. You know, there's no, there was, there's no guarantee. And I think as an artist, to me, that's, that's the pinnacle, right? Is that, the thing that the blood, sweat, and tears uh, uh, in whatever that collaboration, uh, you just put your best foot forward, and that's all you can do. And sometimes you get lucky, and we're in Colorado, and you know we're gonna go on and do it in Cleveland, and it's exciting that that work paid off. Um, that's that's not a story about a bonkers moment. <laughs> that's okay. One time. <laughs> This this is my second Broadway preview as an actor. Uh, Richard Easton had a heart attack on stage, <gasps> oh and and he was e- Ethan Hawke was in the scene with him, and to which Ethan Hawke turned to the audience and yelled, "Is there a doctor in the house?" And because it was Lincoln Center, seventy five people <laughs> raised their hand, and they performed surgery to, on 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 the stage Holy of the Vivian moly. Beaumont, and. Ironically, my first assistant gig on Broadway was for a show with Richard Easton, which was Macbeth, and I fed him lines through an earpiece in the bowels of Lincoln Center and the entire show, and what? he played Duncan on Broadway. On Broadway and 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 I and I fed him all, you know, I the his entire it's not a long part Duncan, but it's substantial. Mm-hmm. And so I would sit in the basement of Lincoln Center feeding him all his lines through a microphone. And I was like, have I made it? <laughs> <laughs> have I made it? <laughs> have I made it? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait. Let me tell this yes. one quick story. Is is um, my first job on TV was on Blue Bloods doing a scene with, um, uh, what's his name? Wait, Not Tom Selleck. No, you're thinking of. Uh, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck and the Mark Mark Wahlberg's brother, Donnie Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg. Um, it was a big scene with Donnie Wahlberg, right? And I was just like, holy shit, this is my first time on TV, and I'm gonna be doing like a big ass scene with Donnie Wahlberg. And I was like supposed to be drunk and like and like like I was supposed like he was supposed to be like interrogating me for like fucking results and like or like for like information. And like I'm I like I don't know, man, but we can get into this shit, right? And so we do the scene. We go to like far like Red Hook, Brooklyn. We're shooting Blue Bloods, and I'm having this amazing scene with Donnie Wahlberg and. Um, um, and I'm like doing my best, like not too drunk, but drunk because being drunk is a th- tough, mm. tough thing to play, right? Um, but afterwards, like all the crew was just like, "You killed that! You killed that!" And I was like, "Thanks, man, thanks." 
thanks. You know, it's my first time on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what, what, what? That's amazing. And I was just like, all right, all right, great. And then, like, you know, a couple months later, when, because they have to, you know, put the show together, I'm like, all right, guys, my big thing is happening. We're going to watch, we're going to have a party. And I invited everybody to go to this house and, like, we're like, turn on the TV, we're watching the episode. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and they cut the scene. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no! Wait, you were still in the episode. I was still in the episode. I had like one line where like he turns off the TV and I'm like, we're watching that! Or like something like, like we're watching that. But then like they cut the rest of it. In fact, the scene right after was just like, oh, those guys at the bar didn't know anything. (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, that's such a, oh man, I wish Tyler was here because he just had a similar experience. He got a, a small part for the new uh, version of Walker, Texas Ranger uh-huh. and the oh, new Walker, God. whatever. Um, and they got rained out one day. And so then the next day they just need to go. So they cut all his lines and just had him like stand in the no! background. Oh, so bad for him. The worst. Also, like everybody at the party yeah. is just like, that, that was it. <laughs> we got, we got, we got, we made it. We made nachos for this. <laughs> I was I was on this TV show called New Amsterdam, which was about an immortal Dutch detective, not the current remake, which I think takes place in a hospital. And my character's name was Matt, and I died of autoerotic asphyxiation, and I had to wear a bag on my head and die of an orgasm wearing a dance belt with crew members standing over me. Oh, my God. And... And they and for my my funeral, which took place on the show, they asked me to send in some photos from my life, which I assumed they were going to digitally alter when they showed said photos at my fictional funeral. They did not digitally alter the photos. So you just watched the episode and just thought I died. <laughs> like if any person in my family saw it, you would just assume that that was Matt about died. my life and Matt died. <laughs> And these were photos of my friends <laughs> at my fictional funeral, and that I died from sleeping with an older woman who then strangled me while having an orgasm. Wow. That is amazing. See, these are the stories that I'm after. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't want to keep you guys way too much longer, but um, we do always also like to ask all of our guests if you have a piece of advice um, for people who are just getting into the business, people who are just looking to make a change, people um, who, you know, I mean, it could just be life advice too if you have something that you feel like is good for everybody to hear. But um, yeah, something that, that you've learned that you'd like to pass along. I'll go first because they'll say something, they'll end it with something more inspirational than me. God damn it. Um, Don't put that pressure on me. No, no, no. But uh, I, I, I would just say, and I'll, I think I'll just speak, f- this is, I guess, a general piece of advice as an artist and you know something that has very specifically been uh useful as a director is just reach out to folks it's my number one piece of advice for anybody coming up is just send the email uh because the worst thing that anyone can do is not respond or say no uh and i think i for so long was so reticent about percept i was so reticent about reaching out because of perception or the kind of artist I thought I wanted to be. And, you know, I've never received an email from or, or inquiry from any artist coming up where I thought to myself, oh, why is this person wasting my time with an email, you know, uh, or a question about right. uh, advice or a project that I'm working on? 
etc. So I think that's just my number one advice. It doesn't matter how big the fish is in your eyes that just reach out. I think it's always worthwhile. Mm. So that's my one piece of advice. Um, no, Brian, do you have something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> mine's threefold. Um, is I think the first one is fuck getting permission. Which yeah. I said it before, but it's like, just should, should be said again that like, if you're waiting on somebody to tell you that you can do something, you might wait f- till the day that you die, um, or not the day that you die. You might not even get there. Um, the other one is that um, it's it's important to I think localize where fear is coming from yo i was literally gonna say the same thing yeah like if it's like you're in it's gonna put you in a dangerous position or like or like you're working with people that like are toxic or whatever say no but like if the fear if you're if the reason that you're saying no is because it's you've never done it before or it's uncomfortable that's not a good enough reason to say no in fact saying yes will probably lead you to learn something about Mm -hmm. yourself that you didn't know you could do Mm -hmm. um do you listen to ologies no the podcast the podcast (laughs) It's basically this woman interviews a bunch of experts. Every episode she interviews a different expert, a different ology. And so one of these episodes was, uh, this is literally what I was going to say about, um, was about fear, fearology, the study of fear. And some of the most successful people have just perfected their relationship to fear. Yeah. Um, because that, yeah, to do yeah. this is terrifying. It's terrifying. So if you can develop a healthy relationship with that fear to like know and to be able to recognize when, when that comes up for you to like lean into it totally. and let yourself jump in. This totally. is, this show is the scariest shit I ever it's did in really my scary. life. It's, it's so really scary. scary. We did our first run the other day and when you're the only person on stage and you don't know what's next, you are just stuck up there deer in the headlights looking to stephanie saying um what's where do do i I go go? where do i go next what am i supposed to do here um but yeah i mean the only thing the best things that have come to me in this life have happened out of allowing myself to lean into the fear so absolutely i fear that also they say like if you go to an audition room like and you're really nervous like the best thing is to like kind of re-trigger your mind to be like that fear is not fear it's actually excitement right you walk in you're just like oh i'm really excited excited about it um, so that is like localizing like where that fear is coming from. And then the third thing I think is um, we're all like unique, right? I, I heard this amazing story about this, uh, like a writer's assistant in a, in a TV writer's room who was just kind of sitting there, like gets coffee or like whatever, and, like it's an assistant there. And like the writers are in the room and they're just, and they're writing about something like really w- like anime or something like that. And this writer, this a writer's assistant was just like, I know everything about this. And like, here is all that I have. Like, these are like the crazy stories, right? But like, I know everything you need to know about this. And she basically became a writer on that episode and then got a job TV writing. Um, because she was really, she, it was her moment, right? And this is what she knew really, really well. She was very unique in that. Um, I picked up looping in college. I just started doing it a lot and it was, I never thought it would be something that anybody would be interested in other than myself. And that became, has become now a weird thing where people are like, oh, if you want to know about looping, you just talk to Brian. And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, cool. It's like, if you are, it, like, uh, uh, Michael R. Jackson, who just won the Pulitzer Prize for A Strange Loop, had like this master class where he's just like, it's okay to be a healthy procrastinator where you dive into the things that you love. 
like if you are procrastinating of the work that you're supposed to do by like just going on weird trips down YouTube and you're just like, I am mm-hmm. soaking my mind up with all the things that like interest me and love because those things, those very unique things that you learn that you're obsessed with, those small things that nobody else cares about is what makes you unique. You are a compilation of the unique, everybody is a compilation of the unique things that they're interested in, that they're really good at, that they have put hundreds and hundreds of hours into what they do. And I think that's a beautiful thing that like, that's what makes us unique. Our lived experiences and the things that we love doing and learning about. And those things, if you can really learn to love them, master them, they will eventually all, like, you know, that's like the, the thing is like, have faith that those things will serve you later in life. Um, yeah. I will end with this. My only piece of advice that I feel like I can offer anyone. It is it is not too late. It is never too late. And rather, the time is now to start therapy. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Yes. That is yes. all. <laughs> that is all. That's amazing. I love that. That's amazing. That's amazing. More people need to hear that. <laughs> so thank you. Um, you guys are awesome. And I'm so appreciative of you spending your time daytime off before we go into tech tonight doing this with me um speaking of which stage manager is an extraordinarily artful job it is not just organization and leadership and structure it requires intuition and an ability to listen to a room which is often taken for granted (laughs) yes 100 percent. thank you yeah, I mean, I, it's one of the reasons why I love this job so much is it, it does tackle both sides of my brain. And, um, Absolutely. You know, uh, I should talk to you more because I definitely want to get into directing um, eventually at some point in my life. So, um, but yeah, um, uh, is other than come see where did we sit on the bus at Colorado Springs Fine Arts Center at Colorado College. We open uh, on the 12th of next week. We run for two weeks. Is there anything else you guys have coming up that you want to promote really quick? Where did we sit on the bus at Cleveland Playhouse? In Cleveland Playhouse, yep. Which opens, I think, starts previews. Nope. That's rehearsals. Uh, October October 23rd. Starts previews, previews October and opens October 29th. Yes. The show begins October 23rd. And Satya's birthday is October 25th. So That's right. That could be a good day to go. <laughs> <laughs> birthday cake. And a show. Um, okay, yeah, sure. Check out, check out um, Refuge. It's a, a show I've been composing with Andrew Rosendorf. And... Uh, it's getting its Rolling World premiere in January, starting at Curious Theater here in these streets of Colorado. Mm. And then we're going to uh, Theater Lab FAU in Florida and then Unicorn Theater in Kansas City. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Mm. That's all I have right now. That's all I have in my brain. I, um, I, uh, I have a, a Rolling World premiere as well happening. Um, called Somewhere Over the Border. It's the story of my mother crossing the border mashed up with The Wizard of Oz. Uh, It starts in Syracuse in mid-January, and then it goes to Jiva Theater in Rochester, New York, and then opens in Chicago, and I'll be in it, hopefully with my mom in the front row on opening night. Uh, It'll be there. It opens, I think, in April. 
March or end of April. Oh Mar- yeah, Mar- end of March or April. Is it Syracuse Stage? Syracuse Stage. I went to college in Syracuse, no so way! I love Syracuse Stage. Yeah. Yes, they're good people. You're yeah. gonna like being there. Wonderful folks. Yeah. I haven't yeah, yeah, yeah. ever worked uh, there, but oh, I'm really excited. Yeah, no, they're great. They're uh, awesome. well, uh, the f- final plug. Coincidentally, I'm doing a remount of Footloose at Boulder Dinner <laughs> Theater. <laughs> <laughs> You can't hire me. I won't do it. I won't do it. Matt was the drunk uh, <laughs> high guy. Yay. Listeners, thank you so much for um, sticking around. I really hope you enjoyed this. It's super fun to be able to actually be in person with people rather than via uh computer um, uh, continue to follow us on all social media platforms. Um, we are at, PWRP podcast on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, even though I'm really bad at the Twitter stuff. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, You can also, um, if you are in the arts, either film, theater, whatever, and you could be backstage, on stage, do, you know, costumes, lights, whatever, um, and you would like to be interviewed, we'd love to have you. So you can always email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com and just reach out and and we'll uh, set up a time. And uh, please continue to tell your friends about us, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Um, We have stickers to send to people who give us five-star reviews um, because we're, you know, we're not shamed shameless and you know we just want people to listen um all right my friends we always end an episode with uh everybody saying um just kind of bye in the most awkward way possible so bye 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 adios <laughs> <laughs> uh...